0: Victory number ten for Brendan Taylor. Oh, has got the Australian captain. We're talking about Rivada. We're talking about how good he is. And there it is. His 39th one-day international hundred. The king gets his crown at the Adelaide Oval. Go on, take it, deep midwicket. Glenn Maxwell celebrates. Furyk, Kylie cannot believe it in the middle of the ground.
1: Welcome to the D Net Stumps podcast. Zimbabwe's only weekly cricket show with expert analysis by Dean Duplessis. Hello, and
0: welcome to the Dean Nut Stumps podcast. Great to be with you again. My name is Dean Duplessis. And, um, just a reminder, if you're listening to the podcast for the first time, you can, uh, subscribe to the podcast via iTunes or the Apple podcast, Spotify, uh, Overcast, Pocketcast, and Downcast, and listen to some wonderful interviews, Graham Hick, Michael Hussey, Kumar, Sangakara, AB de Villiers, and many, many, many more. Now it gives me great pleasure to add another, um, man to the list and, uh, He took 216 test wickets for Zimbabwe. He captained Zimbabwe as well, was also the former bowling coach and head coach. He's Streak, all the way from Bulawayo. Streaky, how are you doing, mate?
1: Yeah, morning, Dean. Uh, Good to to chat to you. It's uh, a nice, lovely lovely Sunday morning here in Bulawayo.
0: Yeah, it does seem that summer is on its way, and I would imagine you'll be happy with that because sooner rather than later, you can hopefully do a bit of fishing if your business allows you to take a bit of time off to fish.
1: Yeah, I love I love the sum time. It's uh yeah, it's it's uh that transition into summer is, is a lovely time of the year. So I uh, really enjoy it. Yeah. Don't I'm you? Like you c- said, I can go and catch a fish. <laughs> but don't you, don't you
0: find it when it gets to that extreme heat, but too much, that October, November? I, I find that uh, very, very, very oppressing. I remember being with you on the ranch actually back in 2000 when Zimbabwe beat New Zealand in the one day series and that heat was, was intense, close to 40 degrees every day. Do you not struggle with that or I suppose you're used to that having grown up there?
1: Um, yeah, look, I think uh, it, it, it is tough, especially when you're on a cricket field uh, and and then sort of the, the sort of heat of the day, it is it, it can be quite oppressive. Um, but I suppose uh, for us Zimbos, it, it's an advantage, uh, especially when we're playing some of the European countries and, and that where they're uh, a lot more used to, um, you know, your your colder climate so yes. um yeah they struggle as we do when it gets cold in england uh, <laughs> it's really cold and 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 uh, and it's raining and stuff we we don't like those conditions so um no, yeah maybe maybe it helped us more than we we realized when we were playing cricket but yeah it's not 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 always the nicest thing to handle yeah
0: streaky what are you doing with yourself you've been a bit quiet um i know that you have an academy is that pretty much what's what's keeping you busy and out of mischief
1: um uh no we've got our academy that's been going for for over four years now um i i don't actually have a lot of active time to to get involved because of my uh, my own personal business uh, which which i have to do to keep uh uh, to keep the kids in school and, and, and to be able to sustain myself. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, I've got a fuel business that I'm, I'm running with a, a friend. Um, yeah, so, um, I spend as much time as, as I can afford to at the academy. Uh, but we do have a, a good, uh, team, uh, that, that run the academy, uh, led by Joseph Brigo, who used to be my, My agent when I was still playing and uh, and then our our coaching staff and management team that uh, that are on the ground
0: Okay, all right so, tricky let's uh, let's take it back to to kind of where it it all started for you. I the the first time I remember hearing your name, and I mean, I, I'm I'm sure you would have been mentioned in the newspapers on many occasions. Was the, you know, as you made your way up through the age groups under 13 and under 17 and so on. But I, I remember first of all hearing your name in 1993 uh, when Zimbabwe embarked on a tour of of Denmark and and it, it just seemed to me that it wasn't going to be too long before we heard your name on a more permanent basis in the national team. And lo and behold uh, you made your debut a couple of months later for Zimbabwe in a uh, quite a big tournament in India. You debuted against Sri Lanka. Didn't have the best of times bowling to Aravinda de Silva and, and a couple of those Sri Lankan batsmen. But um, if you remember, I mean it's 27 years ago. What 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 was it like when you were to- who told you that you made your that you were going to be playing the next day? And what are the nerves like leading up to your first One Day International and then later on your first Test match? It must be quite something.
1: Yeah, it, it was. You know, I, actually, it's such a long time ago. My, my memory of that is so sketchy given how many games I ended up playing uh, of cricket. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I, um, John Hampshire and Andy Flower were the, uh, were the, the guys in charge uh, as coach and, and, and captain, respectively. Uh, and they were the ones who announced it at our team meeting. So, yeah, I remember being a, a good mixture of, of nervous and excited. Um, you know, in those days, uh, Zimbabwe had, had, had um, you know, we, we were still emerging. So I, I suppose there wasn't as much pressure as there was uh, in the late latter days. Um, you know, we had also a really good tight uh, 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 bunch of guys that I played a lot of cricket with. So you know, was very comfortable in that environment because it wasn't like I was a youngster coming in into a group of of guys that that I didn't know much about or had played much with so you know they were all very good close teammates already um so uh, yeah i remember it, uh, um you know fondly
0: yeah, absolutely, and uh, obviously the that Tester uh, then Zimbabwe uh, experienced their first visit of Pakistan, where they played three Test matches and three One Day Internationals against a very good side, captained by by uh, uh, Waka. Well, initially it was Waka Unison and Wasim Akram took over as a captain, but it was Wasim Akram, Javed Miandad. And I'm, I'm thinking more, not so much of your first test, but your second test match, the second innings of the second test match, when you got your first five-wicket haul, and one of the wickets that you got was Javed Miandad, one of not only Pakistan's but one of the world's finest batsmen. Do you remember the the feelings of that that first test wicket, and especially when you got the wicket of Javed Miandad, what you felt like?
1: Yeah, I mean it was obviously exciting because uh, in my first Test match, um, uh, I, I didn't get a wicket actually. No. Uh, in fact, I remember Guy Whittle dropping inzamam ul at mid-wicket, uh, and I thought that I'd never get an opportunity to, um, you know, to play for Zimbabwe again. Um, you know, so to 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 do as well as I did in the in the second Test match, and, and to get wickets like, uh, you know, Jarrod Miandad and and picking up a Pfeiffer was was a huge relief for me and. You know, so, so, something I remember you know really fondly. Um, you know so um, uh, and, and obviously it, it gave me a little bit of self belonging to feel that I was actually good enough to achieve at, at that level and and the fact that I was able to get wickets uh, like like the ones I did you know um, was was something that that uh, that helped me immensely in my early part of my career.
0: And how much do you learn when you go on a tour like that as a very young man? You were very fortunate that you had experienced bowlers in David Brain, the left-arm seamer, who who had a very good tour as well back in 93. And Edo Brandes, who, I mean, was always there in thereabouts. You know, unfortunately, we never really saw the best of Edo because he could never stay uh, fit long enough, unfortunately. I'm I'm sure it's not through lack of trying. But, you know, did those guys, especially maybe Edo, come and have a word with you and say, you know, you need to pull back your length a bit or you, you maybe need to attack stumps a bit more. Were they were they quite helpful in in getting you through those five wickets?
1: Yeah. Look, those guys were, were uh, very supportive. Edo was always a, a very supportive guy. But to be honest, uh, on a technical side of of and and strategic side of things, uh, it was pretty much Davy Houghton and, and Andy Flower uh, and and Alistair Campbell, sort of um, who 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 I used to speak a lot to. Um, and they were the ones you know they were all very astute cricketers um you know and and you know they were the ones that that we and and I specifically used to work with in terms of coming up with uh, with strategies um so uh, yeah that's that's probably pretty much and I was very lucky to have have those types of guys and and people like uh, Andy Waller uh you know Lee Shah, those types of of, of experienced players uh, did play a bit with me in, in my early days and they were vastly experienced guys, um, you know, who who were there. And also my some of my teammates, um, you know, that I played cricket with, like John Rennie uh, and Wayne James uh, that I played with at provincial level for Matland, uh, who also knew me really well. Um, so, yeah, that's why I'm saying it was it was very really comfortable going into that environment because I, had, I was surrounded by a lot of people I played a lot of cricket with.
0: I suppose one person we really should be mentioned and should have mentioned before everybody else, Streaky, was your dad. Uh, He was a a fine bowler himself. Were there ever times when he got together with you, having a bit of a one-on-one session and trying to correct maybe uh, your your delivery stride or or the way that you landed?
1: My dad was um, very influential in the the early stages of my career because you know when I went to reps uh, junior school and, and then on to Balkan, um, they supported me, um, you know, a lot. In fact, I, there's not many games of cricket I can remember where, you know, they weren't in attendance. And, and of course, I leaned a lot on Dad, given that he had played uh, for Rhodesia and then Zimbabwe, um, and then and and had played for Matland pretty much most of his uh, of, of his uh, adult life. Um, you know, and and we played. Uh, I was fortunate enough to play a lot of. Uh, uh, country districts cricket and and old Miltonians uh, club cricket uh, with my dad so he was a, a, a very big influence um, and helped me, you know, by the time I played um, you know, played um, for Zimbabwe I would really uh, sort of I suppose not mastered but I, I was I, I had a pretty good skill set in terms of being able to control my links, lines, being what I wanted to do and a lot of that was to do with uh, with my dad
0: yeah, beautiful stuff, Streaky. But things then started happening quite quickly for you because uh, suddenly, 1994, 95 became a very busy period. You, uh, you had three test matches against Sri Lanka in Zimbabwe, so that that was sort of towards the end, October, September, well, October, November of '94, and you and, and Chaminda Vas were the standout bowlers, the left-arm seamer from Sri Lanka, and you. But uh, of course, Davy Houghton had an incredibly good series as well, which which was special. And then the juggernaut just sent you just. Continued on. So off you went to Australia where you had a very long tour of Australia. You were then involved in a, in a, strangely enough, a quadrangular series which included England, Australia, and Australia A. And, um, and it just seemed to you just seemed to go from strength to strength, Streaky. So, I mean, and there were, there were various conditions that you would have bowled under you know, your Zimbabwean conditions, then suddenly your Australian conditions, back to Zimbabwe for the series against Pakistan. It must have been an incredible roller coaster ride for you because you hadn't even turned 21 yet. And suddenly you, at one stage, were ranked the world's number four. Well, you were ranked fourth in the world as a test bowler and about to be approached by Hampshire to play for them for a season. So, in a short, Space of time, you went from a uh, an average cricketer to a very much respected cricketer in the world. How did you deal with that?
1: Yeah, look, um, I suppose you know I, I I did try not to let it get to to my head. Um, you know, I, I'd like to think that uh, you know I was always humble and and you know me I, I was always the joker uh, around the team. Um, you know, trying to keep people uh, laughing and stuff like that. So. Yeah, I just carried on. And, and obviously, you know, I was doing what I loved. And at that stage, it was sort of not a, we weren't uh, fully professional. You know, we were semi-pros. Uh, I was doing it, luckily, because my, my uh, you know, my family could afford uh, to sort of uh, help me along. Um, Zoom cricket hadn't gone on full, full professional yet. Um, so we were playing for the love of our country and, and the pride of representing uh, the nation and, and wearing the, the Zimbabwe bird on your chest. So that meant a lot to me, um, you know, and I could see the inspiration and, and that that it gave uh, to Zimbabwe. And also, you know, we were trying to, you know, we were really trying to prove ourselves as a test bank country. And, and, and I was enjoying being part of that. Uh, it was great fun. You know, those tours that we went on with a group of guys, we were such close, uh, closely knit team. Uh, of, of friends uh, that um, it was also great fun to be together with those guys uh, on those tours and, and, and for us to travel as Zimbabweans to travel and see the world and go to places like like australia and, and england and, and and that was uh, was special.
0: If you can, share your memories of that first ever test win in 1995. I've spoken to both the Flower Brothers, and amazingly, both of them gave me two very different experiences of what what was special to them, which made it quite a unique interview. What were your special memories of that very first test match that we won? Well,
1: it, it's, it's, it's strange. A couple, the first one was the toss because I remember Andy Flower coming in um, I think Salem Malik was the captain.
0: Yes, that's right.
1: Uh, to say that that this guy tried to cheat at the toss because the the Zimbabwe coin had a bird and a building, uh, and 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 so the the match referee had said, okay, the bird is heads and the building is tails, and uh, and Salim, and he said Salem Malik when the thing went up he, he just he just said like this and then when the, when it came down he said no thank you we'll we'll bat first. And the match referee, I don't know who it was, uh, 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 rescinded the the toss and said, "No, you've got to call properly. You've got to call heads or tails." Um, anyway, we then the toss was redone, and and we won the toss and we batted. and I think we made five hundred, which of which Aunt um, and Andy both made made hundreds, big hundreds, um, uh, and then Guy Whittle also made a hundred. Um, so I remember I remember that. Um, I remember, and then I remember, yeah, I remember some of the wickets that I took in, in the second innings. Um, I played through a, my, my toenail, uh, actually, uh, was, was coming off. So I was in a lot of pain, but, 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 uh, obviously with, uh, with having such a huge opportunity, opportunity to, to win our first test match, uh, you know, it was the, the, the thought of winning uh, superseded the the pain. <laughs> so um yeah, and I remember when we got that final wicket the, you know just the, the excitement and, and the the sheer joy was it was it was something to behold.
0: But you know, Streaky, it's quite amazing because in those these days, captains are very reluctant to enforce follow-ons. So, as you say, you made 544 for four declared. Grant Flower 201 not out. Andy Flower 156. Guy Whittle 113 not out. Then Pakistan batted, and you you dismissed them. What was it? 322. And you were very good with figures of six for six for ninety in thirty nine overs, which included eleven maidens. And uh, you decided, despite the fact that you just pr- pr- practically bowled thirty nine overs, we're going to do this. We're going to f- we're going to enforce the follow on, and we are going to win this Test match. And toenail and all, you bowled another eleven overs and took three for fifteen. I mean, that is just serious stamina and strength. But how much of that is just based on adrenaline, you know, where you just say, I know I'm tired, but we want to win this. Is that, is that where the adrenaline factor over, overcomes any other discomfort that you may have?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, a- adrenaline and the, the passion, you know, to to represent your country. And, I mean, we were, we were well supported in those days. You know, there was a lot of uh, – there was huge crowds coming in and obviously with – with the, with the, 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 the chance of, of, of a win, you know, a lot of people were phoning us and, and, and ke- coming into the ground to watch. So it really inspired us to really dig deep. And, 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 but I think, you know, I think that it's not just a, a trait. Uh, I think that's just generally a, a trait that Zimbabwean cricketers have, have always had. You know, I think uh, we've always had that ability to dig deep. Uh, and particularly that team uh, from the '90s. You know um, the achievements we had. There were times where where we had to really dig deep. Um, you know, and and you know, and it was a collective effort. You know, the, I remember us uh, sitting in the change room and saying, "Guys, you know, we we need to dig deep, and and this is an opportunity that we, you know, we are unlikely to get for a while. So you know, shall we go for it?" And we all we all. We all got behind the decision to to enforce the follow-up so yeah it was um it was it was special especially that you know we knew we were gonna have to make the new ball uh you know pay off um and uh, and and we did that and so you know that obviously made things a lot easier for us because then i think they they sort of, uh, I think, mentally they they collapsed as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So there was there was so much history around that Test match oh. streaky because it was the first Test that Zimbabwe won as a nation, but also very importantly from a historical perspective, uh, Zimbabwe then had oh. the first black player to represent their country in a Test match, which was Henry Alonga in that same oh. Test match. So that would have been pretty emotional for the team. Only then to find out that sadly he'd been called for for throwing um i, I that, was that it was so bizarre because you would have had a bit of a setback there, but I would imagine the victory over Pakistan would have again um superseded the disappointment of Henry being called for throwing
1: yeah um i de- definitely did and and we knew that henry's uh, the, the issue wasn't uh, uh something that was was wasn't fixable in those days there was a lot of guesswork in uh, around People's actions. I think there were people that 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 played uh, all their careers that were worse off than 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 what Henry looked like. Um, so um, yeah, we knew that he would bounce back, and we were proud that that Henry was. You know, we were part of of, of history in the making. Uh, you know, with with Henry's um, Henry uh, playing, and and again, you know, the nice thing for Henry was is he he came into a team where there were there were a lot of us who played for Matland with Henry. Yes. Uh, a lot of us had played schoolboy cricket with Henry, so you know, I'd like to think that he was—he he came into a, a, an environment where he did feel comfortable. Um, you know, so yeah, that's, that's obviously um, something I remember of Bondi.
0: Well, although Zimbabwe went on to lose that series by two test matches to one probably the skill of, of Pakistan and the inexperience of Zimbabwe ensuring that Pakistan came from behind to win this series, but... For you personally, it was an incredible time of your life. Streaky, three Test matches, 22 wickets, with two five-wicket hauls. So I guess it came as no real surprise when uh, suddenly we had a county uh, getting a hold of you, and you played one season for Hampshire. So you would have played alongside the likes of Robin Smith. You would have had Mark Nicholas, obviously now much-loved commentator. Well, some love him, some don't necessarily like him, but back in those days, obviously there would have been no email or internet or anything like that in your part of the world. How did Mark Nicholas get a hold of you to offer a, your contract with Hampshire?
1: Well, it was uh, through a phone call actually, because they had stayed uh, with my parents. So, um, you know, he got uh, he got hold of us, um, you know, a through through Zimbabwe cricket and also uh, by phoning my my parents, right? Uh, because they they also toured before. Mark Nicholas had been uh, been on a few England A tours, um, and that's so he knew he knew um, a lot of people in Zimbabwe pretty well, um, and that's how he got uh, got through to us. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, it was. It was uh, quite, quite uh, exciting times, you know, for, for me, because uh, I always remember watching, you know, people like Kevin Curran and, and Graham Heck, um, you know, are two obvious, uh, obvious Zimbabweans who were playing in the county circuit at that time. And, and, and being an overseas pro in the county circuit in the UK was, was a massive thing in, in that, uh, in that time. You know, if you think of great names like Courtney Walsh and, and, you know, Ambrose, uh, Vivian Richards, um, you know, uh, Gordon Greenwich, there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of, um, um, you know, prestige in playing for counties. Absolutely.
0: And I mean, you yourself played uh, in, in a county which had the services of Malcolm Marshall, that f- fantastic West Indies all-rounder, for I think about 13 seasons. So, you know, you yourself went to a county steeped with history. Did you, did you enjoy the experience? Because I have to admit that when you left, you know you were very fresh and you were bowling quite quickly and and quite there were a lot of hostility and aggression. Everything you want from a fast bowler, you had. I, I felt that when you got back from Hampshire, that perhaps maybe Mark Nicholas had over bowled you, but you know you seemed um, you, you, you you seemed to have a little less penetration when you played that one-off Test match against South Africa. It started off nicely with the new ball, but were you carrying injuries after that trip of Hampshire because it was quite grueling in the amount of cricket that you played?
1: Yeah, look, um, you know, to, to the first thing is, as you're talking about Malcolm Marshall, I mean, I was really, you know, to go in with people like Robin Brown, Malcolm Marshall, you know, Mark Nicholas, Paul Terry, uh, all players who'd, who'd played at international level. Um, you know, it, it was, it was, um, you know, it was a special, uh, it was a special time and a, and a, and a big learning curve in my life. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed the experience and i I, I learned a lot because you 're playing against varied opposition all the time you know in, in Zimbabwe, you get to play against the same guys a lot so I, I got to play a lot and learn a lot unfortunately for for Hampshire that season it's, they were plagued with uh with injuries um, to their to their bowling unit um, and and it was a very dry year it was actually a drought year um and our two spinners uh, really performed poorly, um, you know, in, in in a season that favoured uh, spin. Um, so I ended up um, carrying a huge workload work um, myself and a guy called Cardigan O'Connor. Oh uh, yeah,
0: West Indian. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. And and the two of us, we did a lot of uh, a lot of bowling. And and yes, I came back fatigued. Um, from from that, um, you know, luckily luckily, bar one match, um, the only match I missed was a, a match against Derbyshire on a green Seema because yeah. <laughs> um, I had a, a bad bout of flu. Um, you know, but I'd gone through the the season uh, pretty much uh, injury free and and had a, a good year. Um, you know, and I learned a lot. But it was a, a huge workload, uh, you know, for me. Um, and and I did come back a, a little bit fatigued, but it took me a bit of time to to recuperate and get back into things.
0: Yeah, when would you say that you were then back to the heat streak that we knew? Because um, would you maybe say the, the the tour of, when England toured in 1996, because you missed out, well, you went to Sri Lanka, played one test match, got injured. So that was in 96. So you missed the rest of the Sri Lanka tour. You didn't go to Pakistan um, and then England arrived. But even then you, initially you weren't at your best. But would you say that towards the end of England's tour of '96, that you were back to your best again, or n- not quite?
1: Yeah. Look, I think uh, it's it's like any any sport, you know. If you take if you take a lot of time out, whether it's through a rest or an injury, it does take a bit of time to um, to get back to you know your best. And it certainly, um, you know, I think a lot of that 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 injury that I got was was definitely uh fatigue related. Yeah. Uh, I think I just had a a huge um a huge workload over that sort of year um, and 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 it was almost i suppose in in retrospect inevitable that i would i would have some sort of injury um yeah so so um yeah i really uh i, I remember sitting at home and watching the sri lankan and and pakistan tours with uh with envy but i do yeah, I do think towards the end of that England tour, which was obviously a historical tour again for Zimbabwe, um, you know, got got back to my best. Luckily, Eda was uh, firing on all cylinders, so um, uh, that was uh, that was a, a great tour to be part of, and 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 glad towards the end that I could contribute. And I, I think I contributed more with the bat than <laughs> yeah. the, uh, than than the ball uh, um, uh, in the initial stages of that trip. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Stricke, when Edo was at his best, um, what, what made him such a good bowler? You know, we know, I mean, you took over 200 wickets and you had the ability to, to move the ball both ways at a lively pace. Initially, you had a very hostile and, and accurate bouncer as well, which caused a lot of batsmen strife. So when Edo was firing on all cylinders, in your opinion, as watching one bowler operate as one bowler to another, what made him such a handful?
1: Look I think uh, I think in swinging conditions Edda was was um you know was probably one of those guys you would say is a, is is a you know the the epitome of a, of a, of a an swing bowler I mean he had an unbelievably good seam uh, so he stood the seam up you know he would extract whatever swing was there he would he would get it to um you know to 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 swing and then because he because he had such a good seam, you know, and 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 that he was just deadly with the new ball, and he would always he would always hit this uh, the seam as well, and so it was the swing and and a bit of seam movement um, that that made him so deadly, you know. And he was quite a tall guy. Yeah, I think Eda was about probably six three. So you know, because he was a, a big guy, he 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 looked deceptive. You know, he didn't look as tall as he was, but uh, he was a tall man, and he bowled it at a, a decent clip. You know, he probably bowled. I think probably in the early days he was probably you know certainly in the high 130s, um, you know, with that movement. So um, yeah, good a good guy, you know, and 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 uh, you know, unfortunately for us, we used to have to fight for ends because we always wanted because we both swung the ball away. We always wanted a ball from the same end. Oh, <laughs> so it, um, it it pushed us both. We were competing. Often competing against each other to to have the the, the right to choose uh, which end. So when uh, when when Andy Flower first came to me uh, when Edda was playing and said, "Right, Streaky, which end do you want?" It was you know it was uh, it was a big moment for me because obviously you know in 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 Andy's mind uh, you know I'd uh, I'd su- superseded. Uh, Edo, yes, so that was yeah. you know, a very proud moment for me to be asked which end I wanted ahead of,
0: of, yeah. of other guys. Ooh, I can just imagine the big Edo not being, uh, probably being too happy, And uh, but anyway, it, it all worked out quite nicely. Yeah, that, that England series streaky was a wonderful series, wasn't it? I mean, everybody talks about the first Test match, where, and of course David Lloyd's infamous comments where he flip and murdered them, but what he also very conveniently forgets to mention in his book, which I've actually just read, is the fact that Zimbabwe actually may possibly have won that second test match had it not been for bad weather. And again, for the, probably the first time in Zimbabwe's test history, you were bowling at your best, Edo Brandis was bowling at his best, and Hendry Alonga. So three you know, quick enough bowlers who, who, who knew what they had to do. So for once, Zimbabwe had three, I, I suppose, I'm even going to use the word out-and-out out pace bowlers, which would have made a massive difference to the bowling attack, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, and I think it's something that we we'd really never had for for a, an extended period of time. I think to to have, um, you know, what what a lot of other teams have. You know, like if you look at Australia and, and Pakistan, they've always generally had three out and out quick bowlers. Um, you know, so to play in a in a team where where we had Henry, who was who was clocking at over 140, um, and and Edo and I who are bowling sort of in the mid, mid to high 130s, um, you know, with a lot of movement uh, was, was definitely a, a period in, in our, 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 our history as a, as a cricket team where we had a really formidable bowling attack. And, and remember that we had other guys like Guy Whittle, you know, then we had uh, people like Paul Strang mm-hmm. uh, who were serious spin bowlers and, and, and decent all-rounders like Guy who could come in and contribute as well. Um, you know John Rennie, um, you know who played uh, uh, intermittently when when the conditions uh, suited. Uh, who was a huge uh, you know a huge exponent of of, of, of swing conditions. Uh, yeah, we had a really uh, a good balance of of um, you know of players there, and we were all very different you know in 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 our own ways.
0: Yeah, absolutely streaky. So. Um, now, let, let's move the clock forward. I mean, we've spoken at depth about how it was to beat England and the, the euphoria around that, and that probably got Zimbabwe cricket on the map, uh, you know, properly now, this time round. So I, I want to talk about a very interesting period. I mean, uh, well, first, before we do about that, I suppose we better touch on the World Cup. Many of the players who I've spoken to, the Flower Brothers, Henry O'Longa, and Bangwa, all of them have said that the 1999 World Cup, in terms of one-day cricket... Was the highlight of their careers with the way that you played beating especially beating South Africa and getting through to the super sixes would you concur with that
1: yeah i mean that was it was a special time you know I think we had um, obviously with with uh, um, the introduction of, of neil Johnson and, and Murray Goodwin uh, coming back to them uh, you know we really we, we had a unit that was Exceptionally well balanced, especially in one-day cricket. Uh, we we just had had a, a, great, uh, a great a great a great number of all-rounders. Remember at that stage we had um, there was there was Guy Whittle, myself, Paul Strang, and and uh, Neil Johnson, who were all all-rounders. Yes. And then you add that with to your your Flower brothers, Alistair, Henry. Um, you know we had Adam Huckle, another spinner. We had uh, Andrew Whittle. Um, you know, Pomi, uh, we had, you know, we just had a really well, a well-balanced team that just had sort of a bit of everything.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. And um, then let's move on to to 2000. Um, And and this was an interesting time because a lot of things happened here. Zimbabwe went on a very long tour. So they first of all went to the West Indies where they played two test matches, a couple of warm-up games, and then were involved uh, in a series with a one-day series which included West Indies and the Pakistan. But tell us about the disappointment streaky of Zimbabwe getting into a position, chasing 99 runs to win the test match, needing 99 to win the test on a very very tricky pitch and having been bowled out for sixty, sixty-three 63 or 67 roundabout about there was that one of the more disappointing uh one of the low lights of your career
1: yeah look uh yes yes and no i think yes yes because um we had a, gr- a great opportunity to win a test in the west indies uh you know, if, if you go back, if you had, if you had a, a bit of footage of, of, of that test match, you'll, you'll see there were some pretty, uh, pretty ordinary LBW decisions that were made uh, from the home umpire on a, on a, on an exceptionally hard wicket. I mean, the, we, we always knew that, uh, especially, uh, you know, that wicket was, was, I mean, we had bowled on it, so we knew it was. Yeah. Uh, chasing anything on there was going to be tough. Um, especially with the new ball, the new ball tends to, to, you know, in terms of, of, of bounce or staying low, it, it tends to do a lot more than when it sort of gets a bit older. Um, yeah, so we, we were disappointed. It, it was, it was a, a tough one having worked so hard to get into that position. But, um, yeah, we, we were, um, you know, it was a, it was, it was a probably a type of wicket which, in this day and age they may have called the test match off you know and and that because it was it it played and performed so badly Do do
0: you think that had it been a team such as England or India or Australia that perhaps that test would have even back in those years would have been called off do you think that liberties were taken because it was the lowest ranked test nation don't forget Bangladesh weren't on the senior, so Zimbabwe were the lowest test ranked nation Do, do you think that they kind of got away with that theory?
1: Um Look, I think if we had made a scene of it, I think just because you know we felt that it was an, an opportunity for us, uh, you know, we weren't really gonna, um, you know, we, it 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 was it, it was staying low more than everything. You know, there were balls that literally would pitch and almost raw. You know, that was the toughest thing. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing you know it would it would be a it would be a, a, a wicket uh, that that in this day and age would have been probably. Um, you know, probably they would have, they would have called the test yeah, off. Yeah,
0: Absolutely. And uh, nice to have the little dog on D-nut stumps as well. Very good. Yeah. yeah your dog's just become famous, Tricky. So, um, um, but, but it would have been so beautifully poised as well, though, wouldn't it? I mean, you got nine wickets yeah. in the test, five on four, and you scored a very good hundred on that tricky pitch. And unfortunately it was just not, uh, not Zimbabwe's day, unfortunately, as they could, as they fell short. Um, And then after the tour of the Caribbean, uh, you then went on to England and again uh, struggled in the test matches. Well, you yourself had a fantastic time of it at Lords. Actually, it was an interesting test, Ricky, because Zimbabwe lost the test by... Plenty of runs and innings and some runs, but you picked up what was then your career best, six for 87 against England. Graham Hicks scored a test 100, so you had two Zimbabweans performing pretty well. I mean, other than the loss of, of the test, which would have hurt a lot, that was your first test performance at Lords. I imagine that would rank very, very high on your list of achievements.
1: I generally prefer team accolades and, and winning, so losing, losing at Lords is, is not a nice thing, but obviously. From the historical perspective of having your name up on, on the Honours board in, in Lords, somewhere uh, steeped in, in history like that, um, is huge, you know, and, and something that that I look back fondly on. Um, you know, to have that, uh, have your name in the in the way change room is, is is special, especially when you when you when you start looking at some of the other names on that Honours board, you know, and and to see who you. Who, you go, who you're alongside. So, yeah, that is a, a, a magical thing, magical to, thing. To, to have. Streaky, then you had your
0: first stint as captain. So it, it was a, a rather bizarre situation. I mean, I think everybody knew that one at one stage you would captain Zimbabwe. I think we knew that from the mid-1990s. At one point you would. You would take over the captaincy from somebody and, uh, and it, it finally, it did happen. But many people feel that it, it happened in rather, I suppose, shrouded circumstances. So um, Andy Flower was basically relieved of the captaincy, feeling that he'd incited a little bit of despondency in the team due to issues um, you know, pertaining payment and, and that Zimbabwe Cricket Union weren't looking after the team. I remember one incident very well where Zimbabwe were playing a warm-up game against Kent and Andy Flower was standing in the slips and making phone calls uh, to another Kent player, Matthew Fleming, to ensure that money that uh, the, Matthew Fleming had invested money correctly. Goodness me, that that certainly seemed like a a whole bunch of turmoil in the team and difficult for you now to take over as captain and try and and, and bring smiles back on, the, on on the faces of players.
1: Yeah, look, I think I think that uh, there, there was a lot happening behind the scenes. If you remember, um, if you remember prior to that England tour, uh, the, new, the West Indies tour, when uh, Davey Harton was was removed as as the coach yeah. um, of of the team, um, you know, there, there, there was a lot happening. We were transitioning to. Um, there was a lot of pay disputes that that were happening um you know which uh, remember andy Andrew Whittle then um was uh, uh elected as our representative um and and we joined with fika um during that england tour so there were there was a lot happening but prior to prior to that the previous year i'd been i'd been asked to captain the team um uh by by uh, Peter Chingoka and the board and dave elman Brown uh, but at the time i I had a knee injury and I was and I was I was struggling at the, at the time to, you know, to know whether I'd be in and out the team. And I'd said to them at the time, I'd said, I don't think I'm ready at this stage to take the captaincy on board, given, you know, my, my injury and not knowing whether I'm going to be a consistent starter until, you know, until my injury is, uh, you know, is right. So it sort of just happened that then when, uh, when, Andy, um, was, was, uh, was in relief of the camp and then I was offered it again, uh, that it, it came across as though they were being, uh, spiteful. I mean, maybe in retrospect, uh, Peter Chingoko did, did see it that way, but, uh, it certainly wasn't, uh, it wasn't my intention, uh, given, um, you know, that I've been, I've been offered it and, and turned it down the previous year, um, you know, uh, by by Zimbabwe cricket, uh, Dave alman Brown and and Peter Chingota.
0: No absolutely I, I and your your first assignment as captain was uh, New Zealand touring Zimbabwe which was a good one Zimbabwe lost the test matches but then won the one day series but what what were relations like between yourself and Andy Flower because at the time I know he didn't want to talk about uh, the fact that it, he'd been relieved as captain he was a bit hurt by that so how did the two of you get on was there a little bit of needle initially that was then sorted out or were you guys never yeah,
1: Look and understandably so, and, and and I think you know you always look back on things and think you know I would I'd rather have done it differently.
0: Yes.
1: Um, you know I, I don't think there's too many instances uh, in in world cricket where where if someone's offered the captaincy, whether it's a Ricky Ponting being offered the captaincy after you know in, um, instead of his predecessor, where guys go and 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 ask the other person if it's okay. Uh, but in retrospect given given what what had happened with our pay disputes and stuff it you know I, I I would you know now I would have gone and said to Andy look this is what's happened I was offered the, the captaincy before you know is this okay uh, and and probably um you know asked him for uh, you know for his advice so yeah look uh, like I said in retrospect it's yeah. something i would i would prefer to have done and and, and it did. It did create um, probably a little bit of uh, um, discomfort initially, but but a credit to Andy. Andy was always, uh, you know, he always had Zimbabwe's um, interests first, and you know, and he never he never withheld uh, tactical or strategic information on that basis. You know, he was always uh, he was always willing to 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 support me um, and to support Zimbabwe's. So you know, um, you know, he could have quite easily decided to be vindictive and that Andy and he wasn't so yeah. you know and and subsequently you know our relationship did warm up and 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 we remain um, you know re- remained uh, friends you know I, just, I Andy and I don't you know we don't keep in touch on a regular basis but when we see each other we we're good mates and uh, I mean, you watched him transform
0: himself, Streaky, as you, you arrived in, in India. Just that would have been your second assignment. So you've uh, your second major assignment. There was the ICC Champions Trophy in between the knockout, as it was known as in those days. But you arrive in India, two Test matches, and you see Andy Flower score 540 runs at a ridiculous average, and catapulting himself from being the world's number ten Test batsman to the world's number one. I mean, you and the rest of the team must've been inspired by that. I mean, it must, must be wonderful to watch a teammate uh, just, I suppose, transform and, and, and become such a, a superstar. Have a tour like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, Andy, Andy has always been uh, one of the most classy and, and 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 I'll take, you know, I'll take, a, 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 you know, I'll make a, a statement you might think is, a, is, is quite profound but i would put him on the same on the same footing as as sachin tendulkar if you look at andy's andy's record um, you know his record uh, batting record is 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 up there his, his conversions uh, 50s to 100s etc uh his uh, is is batting averages he is up there with sachin and and given that he played a lot of that uh, a lot of his cricket in in Zimbabwe, and remember, Zimbabwe played on on quite friendly bowling wickets as well at times. Yes, um, you know, so uh, he didn't bat as much on the subcontinent wickets, which which were. And if you just take his subcontinent record and and look at that in in isolation, uh, he's definitely up there as one of the top batsmen ever in in the history of of cricket. Um, so we were very uh, honoured to be, you know, to to have someone. Uh, of of Andy's, and there were many instances where Andy single-handedly uh, either saved us or, or, or was 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 in a, was responsible for us being competitive in games or putting on a, a respectable total. Um, I mean, he, he, it must have been tough, you know, uh, for Andy, you know, because he didn't have uh, probably the, the consistency uh, that someone in Australia or, or England would have had. In terms of partners, you know, he 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 had to shoulder a lot of responsibility, and he was always involved in many partnerships. Um, you know, and and I remember being being involved with some of those partnerships. It was it was a, a great. I mean, he was one of the most astute. Uh, batsman you'll, you'll ever, um, you know, you'll ever know. Streaky,
0: but the, the same will, will can count for you as well I mean, you, there were many occasions where you had to have the the, the job of being a stock bowler so st- stopping runs being scored but also take wickets, so surely the same goes for you as well, where you didn't always, it, more often than not, you didn't actually have the backup. At times you would have had Paul Strang bowling well from the other end or maybe Edo Brandis. but generally speaking, you were required to hold up an end, but at the same time, you were expected to take wickets as well. So, similarities to you and Andy Flower.
1: Yeah, when I, when, when I look back on it as well, you know, I'm, I had many um, thing bowler bowler partnerships um, over the years. You know, I was, I was I was sitting with my parents the other day when we were reminiscing, and and I probably had over, over nearly nearly twenty five different opening bowling partnerships um, you know in my career and I never really had a stable bowling partner you know like yes you know, at some stages Henry for a bit um, you know but there were just so many Neil Johnson Brian Strang Pommie Mbangwa um, David Mutundera, you know Andy Bluchnut uh, you know the, it just the list of, of names uh, is, is endless and and none that, that I can say that, you know, that I opened the bowling in one day cricket for four or five years with, you know, which, which would happen in, you know, if you look at like a Broad and Anderson or a Wasim and Waka or a, a McGrath, McDermott, or, you know, there, there's so many, and, and there's such huge advantages to having a, a stable, steady partner and someone on the other end who's exerting pressure um, and and you both benefit from you know some days uh, some days more than others but um yeah so it, it was something that that uh, didn't make make my career any easier and and i did i showed that a lot more workload than i probably should have and and I, I and because of that i got a lot of injuries um you know because they were work workload related injuries because i had to bowl i mean you, you mentioned me bowling 39 overs in that in that Pakistan test match. I mean, you could go back now and see who was the last, uh, who was the last uh, international cricketer uh, fast bowler who bowled 39 overs in an innings.
0: Uh, yeah, well, I'll tell you what, you did one better than that in 1994 against Sri Lanka. You bowled 41 overs, Tricky, so you've uh, clocked uh, some mileage, that's for sure. That is for sure. In, in terms of captaincy, I mean, uh, captaining a, a test team is a tricky business, so there will always be different personalities uh, which of the players did you find easier to captain than others you, do, do you know what I mean so were there some players who were a bit more trickier to captain than others
1: um, um, i'm sure i'm sure it's the same for, for you know, yes and you know you always have different personnel. I think the challenging thing from for, for me is I played in a team that had uh, an, a lot of former captains um you know we had Alistair andy um you know in in in, in you know, on the field and they've got opinions, but at the end of the day, you've got to make your, you've got to make the decision and you've got to take the responsibility because you can't blame it on, on other people. So, or, you know, Alistair thought I should do this or Andy said I should do that. Or, or, or that guy said I should try, or Neil Johnson said I should try this. Um, you know, so, so yeah, you have, you have difficult you know, some difficult characters, some are easy. I mean, Andy was actually a, a very supportive uh, a very supportive um, guy, you know. Uh, from a from a when our captain and he was playing, if I asked him advice, he he was probably the most reliable guy. Um, Alistair was always uh, Alistair always uh, you know helped and gave opinions. Uh, and then we had guys like Neil Johnson. Neil wasn't the easiest guy, but the nice thing was when things you know when you needed someone to change a game, John would do it for you. Um, you know you had. Uh, you you had guys you know I had guys like Ray Price who Ray was one of the he's one of my closest friends now and and was one of the hardest hardest guys but one of the greatest guys to have in the team because he would you know he never wanted to lick of the ball yeah um, you know and he wanted to set his field and he wanted you know but because of that it was it was great to have him in the team because you you knew you had someone who who wasn't going to hide away or or run away from from the battle so. And we had lots of people like that, you know, Grant, Grant didn't say much, but when he did say stuff, he was, it was generally, you know, you had to pay attention. Um, and a lot of our stuff happened off the field, in the change room, after the game, in the bus, uh, in the evenings, um, you know, uh, so, so yeah, and I, because like I said, we played so much, we all knew each other well, we were all very friendly. And of course you're gonna have some friendships that are closer than others, but, um, you know, generally, when it came to cricket, we were all very, um, very uh, supportive of each other, irrespective of whether it was Andy as, as the skipper or me or Alistair.
0: It's tricky, I, I, and I mean, I certainly don't mean to cause any um, any belittling or anything like that. But one player who I always felt it could be quite tricky to to captain purely because of the talent, but and the ability that he had, but he, who just never, um, in my opinion, applied himself was was Andy Bluchno. So a, somebody who could have been a superstar. Uh, but never, in my opinion, applied himself to the best of his ability. I would imagine someone like that, someone with so much talent and ability, but who didn't apply himself would be a bit tricky to captain at times.
1: Yeah, look, uh, I think I think because we knew what his capabilities are, are were, and he was very up and down. You know, one day Andy could come in and bowl like we saw in that West Indies series where he could bowl 150, 150, and on another day he'd bowl 125. Uh, he was very moody as a as a cricketer, um, but you rightly say he's one of the most talented guys. And towards the end of his career, he started to shoulder a lot more responsibility. Um, you know, under under um, uh, uh, Jeff Marsh, uh, who was our coach at the time, and and uh, he he really turned him around. And and Andy became a a huge uh, factor in the success uh, of of our team in in that period. Um, you know where some of those guys, that I think the, the Johnsons and, and, and uh, Goodwins had gone and now we had the Sean Irvins, Andy Blicknett, um, you know, Dougie Marillia, that sort of area, the later era sort of going into the early 2000s and up to 2003. Um, you know, Andy played a, a, a major role um, and it was great to have someone uh, which we lacked a lot in in, 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 in periods for Zimbabwe cricket as, as a genuine match winner, someone who could who could come in and turn things around. Um, we had Henry Alonga who could do that, and we saw him do that, and Andy Bluchnack was also that type of person. He could come in and and just really change a, a game for you. And you need that as a captain. If you don't have players like Andy in your team, you know, when when, you, when you're when you looking down the barrel of loss and, and there's someone you can throw the ball to or someone who can come in at, at number seven or eight, and, and get you 80 of nothing or you know or just play that cameo that that wins a ga- game for you uh, that's the sort of thing you need you need those types of plays.
0: so what then to conclude what, what were the highlights the things that you remember that you loved the most uh, wh- while you were captain of the team uh, you had two spells of captaincy uh, so what were the what were the highlights of your your captaincy career and then what were the what were the things that really disappointed you?
1: Um, look, I think I think the highlight uh, of of my captaincy career would just be the our, our first away series win against New Zealand uh, in in New Zealand. I mean that that was a momentous um, occasion and something that 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 was only eclipsed seventeen years later when when uh, when we played in in Sri Lanka uh, recently. So you know that was um, you know that was something um, really special to be part of uh, and and to be the captain of, of uh, you know, of the team, um, you know, that was, uh, that was great. And I think, I think we had our first, um, you know, I think um, when I was captaining we had, we had, when we, when we were playing those test series against Bangladesh, where, you know, where we won, uh, you know, just didn't win one test, you know, we won a number of tests, yes. you know, those were also, albeit against uh, you know, an emerging test playing nation, but they were all, you know, highlights, uh, you know, for, for, um, you know, for me, uh, in my, um, in my captaincy. Um, and I suppose, I don't know, I suppose the, 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 the low lights you always have, I suppose, you know, we, I felt we didn't perform to our potential in the 2003 World Cup. Um, you know, uh, we, we, we should have been, uh, we should have and could have been, um, you know, better, um, you know, I think we had we had the we had the the personnel to 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 get into um you know into the top uh into the top of that, but uh, didn't really um, play our best cricket.
0: Eastreek, it's been a joy and a pleasure being with you. Thank you so much for your time. Um, I mean, there's many other things we could have spoken about as well. I at times feel that uh, I would have loved to have seen you express yourself a bit more with the bat. I feel that, um, you know, you had so much to offer as a batsman as well, but uh, no one can dispute what you did with the bat lower down the order as well. And your captaincy and everything that you gave to Zimbabwe cricket uh, was, was always very special. Thank you so much for your time. And, well, at some point we hope to maybe hear... The name Streak again, whether it's from your son maybe taking the new ball for wherever he may be playing or just something that is once again cricket related in terms of streak. Thank you so much for your time, Streaky, and wishing you nothing but the best.
1: Dean, thank you. It's always a pleasure talking to you. You've been listening to Dean at Stumps, Zimbabwe's only weekly cricket podcast.